I titled this message, Another Year, Another Chance. In the first five verses of Luke 13, some people who had gathered with Jesus relayed some of the headlines of that day back to him. And that was of the Galileans that Pilate had killed and of those poor 18 um, whom a tower had fallen on in Siloam. And this stuff was headline news. It was all over Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and that. And what's interesting I found was the way that they framed the conversation. They believed, as it seemed, that these bad things happened to these people because they must have been bad people also. Or at the very least, they were just worse sinners than the people who were relaying the news. Now, God's word reminds us, and we know that this isn't true. And and Jesus corrects them pretty much immediately because we know that bad things don't just happen to bad people and good things don't just happen to good people. Yeah? And his word reminds us that the sun rises on the evil and the good and he sends rain to the just and the unjust. And in that sense, I believe life is not fair. And we know for a fact that the devil who roams the earth, he does not play fair. And in that sense also, I believe that we ought to be thankful that God isn't fair. Otherwise, you and I would have suffered the rewards that we actually deserved a long time ago. If God had repaid us the way that I believe would have been fair in his eyes, we would have been gone decades ago. But here Jesus corrects them, and he puts the question back to them. And then he says, he fires back that, no, that's not what actually happened. But he doesn't just finish it off with a, I tell you, no. He does what he likes to do, and he elevates the situation or the conversation to a higher level. And he says, unless every one of you repents, every one of us repents, we will all find ourselves in a lot of trouble. Then in further response to the discussion, Jesus tells the crowd a parable. And this parable, the parable of The barren fig tree is what I wanted to share a little bit more about today. Now, you should hopefully be able to see the text up on your screens there. And I'm not going to read it word for word, but in a nutshell, there is a vineyard. The owner of the vineyard comes around every so often, and he inspects his vineyard. And for three years straight, there was this one particular tree that stood there and did not bear any fruit. So the owner tells the vine keeper or the vine dresser, I've been coming around for three years seeking fruit on this particular tree, and yet I find none. And he says, cut it down. Why do you let it take up so much space? But the vine dresser says to him, give me another year. Give me one more year. Let me dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, then that'll be awesome. But if it still doesn't bear any fruit, you can cut it down. Now, before I go on, I need to mention that there are plenty of 
points, verses, references from elsewhere in Scripture regarding the components of, and the elements of what we find in this particular parable. I have some of them up on the screen for you, and they add a wider context, I believe, to the message at hand. But I've opted not to um, go into too much detail here. I've opted to leave them for further study and expansion on Wednesday. I realize that this, this crowd on a Sunday is usually the all-day breakfast crowd. Um, you want to come on Wednesday if you want to get to the steak, um, the knife and fork crowd. So I've left, it, I've left it out for today. But it's there on the screen, just some of the references, and I'm sure you guys will have more that you can think of that I might not have there. And these are great points for discussion, especially from a historical or theological point of view. And the parable that that I'm focusing on also speaks directly to the state of the nation of Israel, the children of God in that day, in that specific and particular day, especially in spite of the three-year ministry of Jesus. But again, we'll save those expansion um, packages for Wednesday. And that's because I also believe that there are components in this particular parable that differ just slightly but come to the, to the same conclusions. And I, when, what I really wanted to do, actually, was bring this parable to life in today's terms and apply some practical elements for the current day and age. Are you all following me so far? Now, the components of the parable for us today, I believe, are, are, are what I've got up on the screen there for you. The owner of the vineyard is God. I believe that the vine dresser or, or, or the vine keeper is Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And the fig tree historically was Israel, but I believe it also re relates directly to us today as children of God, grafted into the vine. And the figs, I believe, are fruits of the Spirit. The owner of the vineyard is God, and God has come around, I believe, his vineyard time and time again. And I just wonder amongst us today, if there are any trees here that the owner of the vineyard has been inspecting time and time again, only to find no fruit. Or any fig trees in our various circles and vineyards that God has come seeking and yet found no figs. When I read this text and asked myself the same question, I asked myself the same question in the past week, and it was, it was rather overwhelming. And I thought to myself, has God been around my life lately and found any new fruit? Have I, in this season, have I brought forth any fruits? And in all honesty, I struggled to answer, I struggled to answer that question because I, I labored to find um, specific fruits, specific things that I had put in place in order to allow fruits to manifest in my own life. And three years in the, in the, in the text might not mean exactly three lots of 365 days. I believe they signify a, a season or a portion or a parcel or a pocket of time. But whatever those pockets of time represent, the owner of the vineyard is saying that I've been around and it should have matured further and brought forth more fruit by now, yet 
there aren't any. In three seasons, haven't found a church to call home. In three seasons, haven't taken any new Bible courses. In three seasons, haven't stepped out and tried to lead others to the Lord on the streets. These were some of the things that I had pondered and thought about in my own life, and I wonder if anybody else out there can relate to that. And we see the owner of the vineyard, he comes around and he says, cut it down. It doesn't deserve the protection and the care that comes with a vineyard. It deserves to be cut down. And to hit that point home further, he says, why do you, why do you let it take up space? In the King James Version, the owner inquires, why cumbereth it the ground? And cumbereth, I, I came to find out, what that meant. Um, and cumbereth means to make or render something useless. In other words, the owner is saying this fruitless tree is making even the soil it stands on useless. And I wondered how many people out in the world who go to church, how many people out in the world who are just there, and I wondered if, if any of us, am I just taking up space in the vineyard, not really growing, not really maturing, not really sprouting any new fruits? And I also wondered if we can get to a point where we're so complacent and comfortable in our own walks that we stump our own growth and ability to bear fruit season after season, that after a while we've become so comfortable we've just stopped. And when he inspects the branches of our trees, I wonder, will he find fruits or merely leaves? In Mark 11 that we read before, and it's again shown in Matthew 21, Jesus approached the fig tree. And I believe the word of God says that he was hungry. And he and his disciples came by a fig tree that had leaves, but when they got a bit closer, they found that there were no fruits there that they could eat and partake of. And what does the Lord do when he would not, he could not find any fruit? He actually curses the fig tree saying, let no one eat from you ever again. And we know that in both those scriptures, it says that that fig tree withered and died thereafter. Again, it's a direct parallel and analogy of the state of the nation of Israel and of the Jews in that day. But I believe it adds another dimension to the parable that we're looking at in Luke 13. And I know some of us must be thinking, Jeepers, Lord, how, how hungry or how angry, how hangry were you that you would curse a, a poor lonely fig tree just because it had no figs? But what I came to understand about the fig tree is that the fruits always bud and come forth before the leaves. And if we recall what we read earlier and what the scriptures say, it specifically says that Jesus approached a fig tree that had leaves. And I suppose the hope was to find fruit. In other words, it was a tree that should have had fruits by now because it already had leaves. Yet 
there were none. So Jesus cursed them. And I wonder, are we trees that have fruits on our branches or do we only have leaves? Do we give the illusion from afar that we are healthy, nourished fig trees, but upon closer inspection we find no figs and no fruits on the branches? In the parable that we are looking at, I believe this is the issue of the barren fig tree. Year after year, season after season, The tree has leaves and shows signs of life, but it bears no fruit. So the owner is saying, you should have given me more return by now, yet I'm not getting any fruit from you, and the soil you're standing on could have been put to better use. There could have been another tree there by now that would have given us fruit. And as sad and distressing as it might be, I believe the owner is therefore within his rights to order the dresser to cut it down. But even in this story, we have something that we can shout about, something that we can take cheer about, because look at what the vine dresser, look at what the vine dresser says to the owner, even as judgment is being prescribed. He says, let it alone, let it alone this year also. In other words, give us another year, give us another season, give us another chance. Now, but basically, there is one who goes between you and God and intercedes for you. That's what I can see in this text when he says, let it alone this year again. Now, I wonder how many of us realize that, that there's constantly somebody asking to give us another chance, give us another chance. I know you have every right to cut it down. I know it's disappointed you time and time again but please give me another season to work on them. And not only that, the vine dresser gives the owner a plan of action that I can see in this parable to help him achieve fruits in the next year. And he highlights two things he intends to do. He says, let me dig around it and let me fertilize it. And I want us to note these two points, please. Now, you dig around a tree to break up the hardened soil that it absorbs so, so that it absorbs the sustenance and nutrients it needs in the hope that it will bear some fruit. Yeah? In Hebrews chapter 3, we are told that if today we hear his voice, harden not our hearts. And I realize that there are some things in all of us, call them biases, call them habits, um, whatever you want to call them, but there's plenty that we have that's hardened our hearts about We've, we've hardened our hearts about these things, and Jesus needs to break and dig into them so that you can absorb what you need in order to take part in the fruit-bearing process. Then once that hardened soil in you is dug into and broken up, he says, and fertilize it. Let me give it some stuff that it can draw nutrients from that will help it to flourish and bear fruit. Now, when I read fertilizer, I thought, I thought of that Dalton's um, premium stuff in a sack that you get at, at, at Mitre 10, or, or that Yates Frive stuff that comes in liquid form, white and blue pallet stuff that they use in Newer. That's the fertilizer I thought of. 
but a quick look at the King James Version <laughs> allowed me to refocus my lens because in the King James Version it says, I shall dig about it and dung it. I thought about putting some photos up and then I got to the part about dung and I thought I wouldn't want to put any photos up of dung. But for those of you that don't quite know what dung is, um, it's manure, it's waste, it's, it's poo. Yeah, it's stuff that comes out when all the good stuff's been taken out by uh, either us or, or, or animals. But the fertilizer, I realized that the fertilizer that, that they're talking about in this text, it's not that stuff you can get from bunnies. The fertilizer that they're talking about is that old school OG fertilizer called dung. It's that pungent, stinking, decaying stuff that you spread over the ground that somehow gives it all the nutrients it needs in order to sustain healthy growth. Someone must have been really bored when they found out about the, the, <laughs> the growth that you could get from spreading dung out. I don't know how they came about that. But one, one thing I do remember is that it actually works. We went up to Tuapa a few times, and my grandmother, Nanamata, she had planted some banana trees. And of all the places she could have planted some banana trees, she planted them out the back of the pigsty. And I thought it was, it was totally ridiculous. Then one school holidays, we went up and we realized why it was that she had planted it in close vicinity to this pigsty because we had to get in there and take the dung out of where it was pushed to out the back and spread it out over her banana trees. And they grew and they brought forth some of the best bananas that we'd ever seen. And I wonder if we realize that in our own lives, some of that unsavory stuff can be exactly what God needs to provide us with the nutrients for fruit. Now, we might not like the smell and stench that comes with dung, but in it is stuff that is necessary for growth. And I know in my own life, there's been plenty that if, I had, if I'd had a choice, I would not have picked to have gone through it. I would not have picked to, go, to have had it dealt that way to me. But God took me through some stuff that was hard to bear. He spread some unpleasant stuff over my life that was hard to take but it was necessary for my own growth. And I believe Jesus is saying to us, let that tree have one more year, one more chance, one more season of hope, and some digging will happen. The Holy Spirit will be challenging and convicting and pursuing until that hardened soil softens. And when it does, let me fertilize it. Let me, let me dung it. It may not be a season of lovely and rosy and affable encounters, but the end result should be life, should be life in abundance at that. And I realize some of us may have plenty of fruits. Some of us may have one or two. Some of us may have certain branches weighed down by the abundance of fruit, while the other branches on the other side of the tree are bare. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not here to say that of any certainty about anybody. 
But what I can say is there's always more that could be done. There are always fruits yet to be brought forth in our own lives. And as the end draws near, as the rapture looms just around the corner, my encouragement to us today is to use this last season, use this last year, this last chance, whatever you want to call it, that God is giving us to grow fruits in our own lives and encourage the budding of fruits in the lives of those around us that will please and glorify the master of the vineyard when he comes around to see. And, and friends and families, the season we're in, this year that we have received, this opportunity that, that has been given to us, I, I don't know how long it spans for each of you. I don't know how long it will last for us collectively. But it is a chance. I believe it is a chance for you and I to pursue righteousness like we've never done before. It's an opportunity for us to invest our time in the things that grow fruits in ourselves and in those around us. And we must remember that where you're investing, wherever it is that you're investing, that determines what returns you're getting. And my encouragement for us, especially in light of what we know from this parable today, is also from the, the text that we, we read earlier, Ephesians 5, and it reminds us to walk as children of the light, aware of the fruits of the Spirit, and laying away of the unfruitful works of the darkness in the world. It reminds us that we are to walk circumspectly. That's what God's Word says. And circumspectly means to walk cautiously and watchfully. And it tells us to be redeeming the time basically making the most of every opportunity for Jesus because the days are evil. It tells us to put aside all the unfruitful distractions of the world. The time that we have been given is valuable, and I believe that we must account for it one day because we're not far from the end. And I always come back to John 9. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible where Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And I believe it ties it perfectly to this parable. Now, again, a disclaimer. There's much to unpack in this parable. There's much yet to unpack. But my encouragement and the charge that I leave for each and every one of us today is to strive and pursue God like we have never done before. It is, to, it is to seek and find new ways to ensure that we are bearing fruit in this day and in this age so that when the Master comes again, he will know that there are, there are fruitful trees amongst each and every one of us. That is my, my sharing for you today but I thank God for the opportunity and I thank you all for the time that you've given me today. And I hope that it's been of some blessing to you all. God bless you all.